Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. Let's join Pastor Paul Carlson for today's message. All right, so we're going to start in this morning. We're talking, we're on a series, we call it Free. You know, say, say, say I've been made free. Isn't it good to be free in Christ? That we're not bound up with a bunch of rules and regulations. We're not bound up with a bunch of religion. We're not bound up with, with uh, today, what we're going to talk about, pressures of life. But I'll tell you what, he's come and he's made us free. You know, I, as I think about all these things, I think about being free in every area of my life. And goodness, we can't cover, you know, a new Sunday every week of things we're going to be. We'd, we'd, well, we could. We'd never run out. I mean, there's just so much, you know, what I really am saying is that in this series, our intention is that we're not going to cover every aspect of freedom, but we're just going with ones that Holy Ghost puts on our heart, and, uh, but, but in every one of them, the, the key I'm seeing is all these things that, that are, we'd call the anti-free, not anti-freeze, but the anti-freeze, they're just things that the devil throws in our life to try to get our eyes off Jesus. Really, that's what it's about. Keeping our eyes fixed on him. Keeping our eyes, you know, on the master, on his love, on his presence in my life. Not getting tripped up with things that are out here that are thrown in our path to, you know, make us sway and go some other way. But, you know, keeping our eyes fixed on him is really a key to walking in freedom. And uh, I'll read this again in Galatians 5.1. Just such a tremendous... You know, the whole book of Galatians, I've been reading it uh, recently in my, my devotional time, and I've been reading it in the Message Bible. You know, I've got it on my computer now, the Message Bible. Uh, uh, digging it, man. Yeah, that little Kindle thing, you know. And, and uh, it's so good. It's so well put. But here I'm going to read out of the New King James. It says this. It says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You know, because Jesus made us free, we don't have to be entangled in a yoke of bondage. He made it so we don't, it's not like, oh, don't you do that. No, it's like, hey, you don't have to. Because Jesus made you free. He made you free. It's just such a peaceful way to live. It's such a, uh, uh, you know, freeing way to live. How's that? But uh, let me pray for you. Can I? Father, we just thank you for your word that we're going to read today. We thank you, Father, for the message of the gospel. Thank you for who Jesus is. And help us to see him clearly. See him clearly and not be distracted. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We give you the glory today. In Jesus' name, amen. Just thinking about distractions here. I'm not going to preach my sermon yet. Uh, Over in Numbers 21... Numbers 21, you know, this, this story popped into my head this morning uh, when we were worshiping and uh, kind of fits right in here. But uh, I'll have to look it up because Numbers 21. All right, here we go. You know, what, what I'm going to show you here is, is, is the children of Israel were on a journey. And they had left the place of bondage to go to a place of freedom. And they were on a journey from Egypt into what we'd call the promised land. And, and while they were on this journey, they got discouraged. 
And of course, that's a bummer to get discouraged. We don't want to live our life in discouragement because sometimes when you get discouraged, you do things and say things that you really, they're not, you're not presenting who you really are and you can get yourself in trouble. At least I've done that. And these people, you know, sometimes I like reading these stories because they're just exhibiting flesh that I have. And I'm thinking, yeah, I get it. I get how they were thinking, you know. But, but I'm thinking, wow, there were some consequences here that I don't want to have to pay. So while they were uh, in verse 4 of this chapter, it says they were journeying from, uh, from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged, not just discouraged, very discouraged. And they spoke against God and against Moses. You know, that's what discouragement will do to you. It'll get you talking bad about God. It'll get you talking bad. Some people get into that funk and they never leave it. Did you know that? Some people have something bad happen in life and they start talking about God and they slip into this ditch that they never recover from. And, and they, they live their life on earth and they die and they go to heaven, but their life here on earth wasn't what God intended them to live because they never came out of that place. We're not going to do that, okay? And what I wanted to get down to here in verse 6, it says, uh, you know, they said all kinds of things in verse 5, but in verse 6, it says, the Lord sent fiery serpents. Now the Robert Young uh, translation, or actually his, uh, his study book on interpretation of Old Testament uh, language, uh, he, he, he points this out that the, the tense here is not uh, causative, but it is permissive and would be better translated this way. I say all this so you don't get in a weird place thinking God's going to send something on you. But it's, uh, you could better read it like this. It says the, the Lord allowed fiery serpents among the people. In fact, I'll go another step. Really, the people allowed them. How they allowed it? By the funk they let themselves get into. You know, and I'm not blaming you saying they're a bunch of losers or anything like that. I'm saying they let the flesh get the better of them. Okay. They let the circumstances get the better of them. And they began to slip into it and they began to talk about the problem. They began to talk about God. And when they did that, it says that there was like a hedge that was around them that lifted up. People say this, they say, oh, can you believe it? Fiery serpents came and bit the people. Well, that's not the real big deal here. The big deal is that, that prior to this time, they were walking through the wilderness and there's no report of a fiery serpent. Sometimes I just go on a walk in my neighborhood and I see not a fiery serpent, but I see a serpent. You know, I usually stop, take a picture of it, say, wow, you know, look at that, guys. There's a serpent there out, out in the neighborhood. You know, sometimes we get a bear in our neighborhood, you know. So, I mean, you know, you're going through the wilderness and you got, you know, a, a ton of people going through the wilderness. You'd think a few of them would have run into some fiery serpents before this, but not one. But somehow in this journey, the hedge of protection was lifted from them and fiery serpents came out and began to bite them, okay. And people were dying, do you know what kind of a chaos that is? you know what kind of a distraction that is when people are getting bit by snakes? Can you imagine? I mean, this isn't just a bunch of guys. This is women and children. You know, I, I've seen some reaction to snakes with women and children, you know? Uh, you know, I, I, I tell you this story, you know, probably 20-some years ago, we went to Kentucky on a family vacation to visit our uh, Doug and Faye. They were living down there back then. 
And we went out on a, on a yeah, you know, I'm going to tell that story. We went out on this pontoon boat, and I think it was at Lake Barclay, or I don't know, some lake down in Kentucky. And, and uh, we're on a pontoon boat. Who's on the pontoon boat? Well, grandma and grandpa, all their kids and all our kids, everybody, you know, we're all fitting on. That's the cool thing about a pontoon boat is everybody can go on it. And so we're cruising around this lake, and all of a sudden in the distance, we see this thing, and it's going like this, you know? And, and you know, I'm from the north. I don't see a lot of that kind of stuff. But, you know, we got closer and closer, and, and what, what is it? It's a, it's a snake. We get even closer, it's a rattlesnake. In fact, my brother-in-law, Marty, he had a fishing pole, so he just takes a wild cast out there, starts reeling that thing in, and he, you know, he snagged it. Like, like, I think on the first cast, he snagged that thing. Just threw it out there, you know. He didn't even have a fisherback lure, but he threw it out there, and he caught that snake, and... He reels it in, and which is really, we're all cheering. Go, Marty, you got the snake, you got the snake, until that snake was in the pontoon. Because he gets it in, and he's like this. The first thing he did is he went, ooh, you know? And then the guy, uh, this other guy and, and Doug, they took it out on the, the side, you know, away from all of us, and they took a club, and they, they beat that thing to death. I'm telling you, man, just beat it up, killed it. Doug whips out his pocket knife. Cuts the rattle off it, saved it as a souvenir. <laughs> so I'm telling you that in a group of about 17 or 18, I forget how many of us there was, on a pontoon boat, one little snake, one little rattlesnake caused massive commotion. So much so that the rest of our time on that pontoon, I'm telling you what, grandma's eyes were fixed on and that lake, just scanning that thing. You'd, you'd go to talk to her and say, Faye, Faye, no, don't bother me. I'm looking for snakes. There ain't going to be any snakes coming against my grandkids. <laughs> I'm telling you this, man. Distractions come in life. And, and they try to get your eyes in the wrong place. Okay? So, so uh, these serpents came here and, 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 and Moses, you know, God bless Moses, in the middle of a panic. This is a true man of God. In the middle of a panic, in the middle of chaos, he got on, you know, before heaven and, and said, Lord, what do we do? And the Lord gave him specific instructions. I mean, you better know this is heaven when he tells you to put up a pole with, with a brass serpent on it. I mean, where does that come from? But there was, some, there was some logic to it, even, you know, from heaven's perspective. And Jesus verifies this later in John chapter 3. He says this, that that pole, that serpent on the pole was a type of what was to come. That serpent on the pole was a type of Jesus Christ on the pole, on the cross. You say, well, why did they put a serpent on the pole? Why? Well, I think they should have found a lamb and put it on a pole if it was going to be Jesus. Well, the reason is this. Because when Jesus went to the cross, he went as the spotless lamb of God. But on that pole, God made him to be the sin of the world. Okay? Now, the thing that God told Moses is this. He says, guys, he says, all right, you got this pole up here. And Moses called an assembly. He says, listen, this is what the word of the Lord is, that anyone who looks at the pole will live. Now, now 
there's, there's been some study and some, some revelation about what Moses said, and really the Amplified Bible gives some pretty accurate stuff there, and it says that it wasn't just any kind of a look, but it was a steady, fixed, absorbing gaze that caused the victim of a fiery serpent bite to live and not die. Now, I would guess that somebody in that crowd heard this whole speech and saw the poll, and, and they thought this, that, well, I've looked at the poll, I'm going on my way, I can, nothing's going to happen to me. I would guess that some people, you know, thought this, that when Moses said all this stuff, that, that anybody that looks at the poll will never get bit. I mean, come on, I'm a Christian. Come on, I'm a word of faith, tongue-talking Christian. I got bit. Ah, what happened? He never said that. See, someone gets, gets bit and they think, well, why'd that happen to me? Well, probably because you're a human being on planet Earth and there's a lot of fire serpents around out there. Okay? Moses didn't give the word of the Lord that said you'll never get bit. What he said is this, that if you'll just keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, you won't die from that thing. The devil won't win in your case. So the whole key was this. What was it? Keeping our eyes on Jesus. You know, not being distracted in life. There's plenty of serpents out there, even in my neck of the woods. But I'm telling you what, I'm keeping my eyes fixed on Jesus. All right, so we're talking about being free from under pressure. All right, I'm not saying you're not going to ever have pressure on your life. I'd be lying to you. Anybody have any pressure this week? Yeah, I think a few of us did. What I'm talking about is how to stay free from pressure. How to not let pressure dictate your life. How to not let pressure control you. So we talked last week, we said, well, one, turn to Jesus. Two, we said, you know, choose your thoughts wisely. I'm going to give you a couple other things this week, and then we'll, we'll, we'll go on. But the other thing I'd say is this. When, when pressure is knocking on our door, here's the thing, kind of like Moses you and I need to hear from heaven. Do you hear me? When pressure's coming, we need to hear from heaven. Hear from heaven. Well, you know, how much do I need to hear? Well, how much pressure's coming your way? Okay? Hear from heaven. Not just hear from, you know, your relatives. Not just hear from your friends. Hear from heaven. Heaven. Let God speak to you. How do I hear from heaven? Well, Although this is, you know, there's a number of ways, you know, that God will speak to our lives. I mean, I'll tell you, I've, I've been going along in life and been under pressure, and I've had just God just speak to my heart, you know, things that I knew were from Him. But one way you hear from heaven that, that just hasn't changed over the years, you know, is right here. You know, getting time in the Word. You know, sometimes when pressure comes, we feel like, well, I don't have time to get in the Word. <laughs> Ever, no, nobody's ever thought that before. I'll confess, I've thought that before. I've had that overtake me before. I've thought, I just don't have, you know, Dana will say, well, well, what do you believe in? What word's standing out to you? I don't have time for that woman. I'm under pressure. Yeah, I know, just being real, you know. Hey, I'm too busy. I'm too busy to get in the word. No, no, you need to hear from heaven. You need to hear from heaven. Well, someone says, I need an audible word from God. Well, what I'd say is this. Read the word out loud. <laughs> read the word out loud. 
I need a loud word from heaven. Read the Amplified Bible out loud. Okay, there you go. So, you know, this will keep you straight. Mark 4, verse 24. You know, this, this, this is like words to live by. I love reading Jesus' words lately. You know, I mean, the whole Bible is great, but, but, you know, I love reading what Jesus had to say. He gave us wisdom for life. He gave us things that, that you know, will, will get us in a good place. In Mark 4, 24, he said this. I'm going to read 25, too. He said to them, take heed what you hear. Take heed what you hear. He says, the same measure you use, it'll be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. Whoever has, to him will, more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Ow. Wow. So apparently, as we go through life, Jesus said we, not, we not need, don't need to just hear, but we need to take heed what we hear. So when pressures of life are coming, we need to be selective about what we're listening to. See, problems and pressures will speak, and they've got a voice, but God has a voice. And we just need to do is we need to hear God more clear than any other voice. We need to hear what he has to say about life and about our pressures. You know, I, I, I remember the story of Terry Mize. Anybody ever heard of Terry Mize? You know, he was a missionary in, I think it was in Guadalajara or one of those Guats down south. And, and uh, Terry and Jackie Mize, you know, they've written a few books. But Terry got picked up picked up a hitchhiker one time. He was from John Osteen's church. And uh, he was missionary, and he drove up to John's church because John had a sound system to give him. And, and uh, so Terry put it in his, his vehicle and went back down to his mission, driving back, you know, you know many, many hours. And he's going through, uh, you know, South America, and, and, and uh, he sees a guy on the side of the road as a hitchhiker, and he picks him up. And the guy gets in the car, no sooner does he get in the car and the door shut, and the guy whips out a gun, a revolver, and points it at Terry, and he says, I'm going to kill you. Ouch. You know, that could be a lesson. Maybe, you know, maybe don't pick up hitchhikers. Maybe be led by God. But I'll tell you the kind of thoughts that came into Terry's mind, because, you know, I've read his book a number of times, and, and he said that, you know, he had thoughts come to him like, man, did I miss God? Let me tell you, even if you did, don't shut him down. Don't shut him down. And so this guy didn't speak much English, and, and, but he knew how to say this, I'm going to kill you. He probably studied that on the Rosetta Stone tape. and I, I'm going to kill you. And, and, and Terry had a, a tape playing in the, the, you know, this is old days, you know, but it was in the cassette days at least. And he had a tape playing of uh, Kenneth Copeland and the tape was called uh, Being Free From Fear. <laughs> and Terry said, when he, when he tells this story, he said, uh, I just let that thing keep playing. He said, if I ever needed to hear how to be free from fear, it was right then. So, you know, the story, I, 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 you read it sometime or borrow the book from the library or something. But uh, Terry said... Uh, it went on and on and on and on, and, and, and finally he took the guy out to a cornfield, 
and uh, he made, or the, the guy took Terry out, and he made Terry strip down to his underwear, took his wedding ring, took, took bunch, you know, everything he had. And then he looked at Terry, and, and Terry, every time the guy would say, I'm going to kill you, Terry would look him in the eye, and he'd say, you're not going to kill me, I'm a man of God. I won't allow it. Every time he said that. So the guy gets him in the cornfield, and he's in his underwear. You know, I tell you, that'll make you feel spiritual. If you can't be spiritual in your underwear, when can you be spiritual, you know? And, and um, so the guy says to Terry, he says, if you say that, you know, you're a man of God one more time, or he says, if you say anything at all again, he says, that's it, I'm going to kill you. So Terry said, you're not going to kill me, I'm a man of God. And when he did that, the guy, you know, basically point blank fired the gun right at Terry. And Terry said, I knew at that point, all I, my job was is to believe God. And he said, God's job was to track those bullets. And you know, they all went by him. They all went by him. None of them hit. And after he had done that, he said, the guy looked at him and, and gave him his clothes back. And the, t the situation turned. And, and he, said, uh, he said, you can, Terry said to the guy, he says, you can keep my money but I want my jewelry, I want my wedding ring back. And then they got in the car, and uh, there was some pol policeman or something like that, and the guy shoved the gun in his, his, his side, and he says, hey, bud, he said, uh, you know, he, what's he going to do that I haven't already done? And anyway, the guy goes, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. He says, I can't do anything here anyway. You know, that's the guy's thinking, you know. Anyway, he took him to a place, he dropped him off, prayed for him, and he went on his way. I'll tell you, that's the power of God. You know, if, you're, if your mind is renewed to, you know, TV, you might have tried to whoop the guy, and you might have got shot. But when you're here in heaven, God will give you a plan. God will give you, I remember I had, a, I had a friend. Actually, man, this is not going at all how I thought I was going to preach this morning. <laughs> I, I had a friend, I, a guy that I knew years ago, uh, lived in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. And uh, he, he had his whole family held at gunpoint. And, and he, they made him get in his underwear, too. What is it with people with guns want you to get in your underwear? And they're sitting in their garage. And this friend of mine, his name is Steve, he said he just continually kept asking God. He said, all right, what do I do here? Now, this wasn't just him, but his whole family, his whole family. And God you know, at a certain time, God gave him a moment where he just was able to overtake the guy and take the gun away from him, and, and it saved his family. God doesn't leave you in times of stress, in times of pressure. Take heed what you hear. Another, I'm going to give you this one in Proverbs 4, verse 20. Let's just read this, and then we'll go on. In Proverbs 4, verse 20, this, the, proverb, the writer of Proverbs here says, My son, give attention to my words give attention to my words when pressures come give attention to my words incline your ear to my sayings do not let them depart from your eyes but keep them in the midst of your heart for their life can you say life, life. their life to them that find them and health to all their flesh see the devil the way he plays is he tries to mess with what you're hearing and what you're seeing he tries to get you to look and hear the wrong things. And God says this, man, your victory is secure 
Just keep your eyes and keep your ears set on heaven. There was a story I read about, about some young guys that were out camping. And uh, <laughs> I tell you, it hits you at funny times, doesn't it? <laughs> some guys are out camping and they found this cave. And they went in to uh, explore the cave. I mean, who, who wouldn't? Young guys, I mean, you know, you're out, out on a road and you see a cave, you're going to go in it. And so they go in this cave and, and they get in it and they find it was a, a mining tunnel. And they got in so far that they had lost their way out. Did you hear me? They lost their way out. You know what happened? Panic set in. Panic set in. They all started crying and screaming except for the leader, the leader of the pack. You know, thank God for a leader. And the, guy, the leader of the pack says, be quiet. Settle down. Listen. Listen. What have I been telling you? Listen. Hear from heaven. So this guy says, listen. And when they quieted down and started listening, they heard their redemption. They heard the, the, the rescue team coming to save them, the team that brought in the lights and the ropes and, and was able to get them out. Sometimes we get in such a panic and such a twit that we're not hearing the right thing. Jesus said, take heed what you hear. All right. Dealing with pressure, you know, living our life fixed on God. What do we need to do? We need to talk more about God than we do about the problem. Talk more about God than we do about the problem. Um, Proverbs 16.23. Let's look at that. Proverbs 16.23 <laughs> says this. Monique, you're going to get me laughing now. <laughs> says, the heart of the wise will teach his mouth and add learning to his lips. The heart of the wise will teach his mouth. I didn't know my mouth needed to be taught. Well, don't say that out loud. The heart of the wise will teach his mouth and add learning to his lips. Evidently, if we're going to have wisdom operating in our lives, we cannot allow our mouths to say anything they want to say. Evidently, it takes some effort on our part. It takes some training on our part. And if we don't take charge and we don't train our mouths, they will run wild. And they'll say things that aren't right. Um, but, you know, thank God, God's raising up some wise people here at Liberty. And, and, and the heart of the wise teaches their mouth. You know, I'm glad he didn't say something like the heart of the wise always says the right thing. No, we're in training. I, I'm not perfect Sometimes I miss it, but I'm working at it. I'm training my mouth to say the right thing. In James 1, verse 26, again, talking more about God than we do about the pressure. Does that mean you just deny all pressure? No, I didn't say that. Talk more about God than we do about the pressure. I'm telling you. When the pressure's on, it's very tempting to talk about it. 
talk more about God. So in James 1.26, it says, if anyone among you thinks that he's religious, now he's using this word in a good way, because, you know, whatever, and does not bridle his tongue, that person deceives his own heart, and their religion is useless. Wow. Can I read another version? This is called the Basic English Bible. The Basic English. It was, it was meant as a Bible they wrote for people whose second language was English. So they just used basic words. And this is what the Basic Bible says. This. It says, if you don't bridle your tongue, you'll present things that are not in your heart. I like that. I like that. If you don't bridle your tongue, you and I will be guilty of presenting things that aren't in our hearts. So what are we learning? When pressure comes, I'll tell you one way, the way to not be overcome by it is talk more about God. And what are we doing? We're just putting our focus back where it belongs, on Him. Okay? All right, last thing I'm going to give you this is, is when pressure comes. All right, can you, can you handle this one? I think this is a big one. This is a key factor. Tap into the joy that's on the inside of you. Tap into the joy that's on the inside of you. Does that mean you're always happy? I didn't say that. I said when pressure comes, tap into the joy that's on the inside of you. Now in Isaiah, can I read this one in chapter 12? Isaiah 12, 2. And I'm going to read verse 3 as well. It says, Behold, God is my salvation. What a perspective to have. Behold, God, whatever's coming around around me, man, God is my salvation. Yeah, he's my way, he's my strength. He says, I will trust and not be afraid. That's put my eyes on the right thing, man. For yea, or yah, however you want to say that word there, the Lord is my strength and my song. He's also become my salvation. Now here's where I wanted to go is verse 3. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the well of salvation. Has your life, has the pressure made your life dry? You know, are you feeling like you're in a desert? Maybe you feel like you're in Arizona or something, you know? I mean, not that Arizona's bad. It's a good place. But you know, are you feeling kind of dry, man? Cactuses in your background? I'm telling you what, with joy, you draw water from the well of your salvation. I'm telling you, God wants you fresh. I'm telling you this, that joy is not dependent on pressures. It's not dependent on circumstances. Joy is in your heart. The Bible says in another place that in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. So if we're walking with God, we're walking in his presence, I'm telling you, wherever we're at, we can, we can tap into joy. That doesn't mean, you know, you, 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 know uh, you, you just laugh all the time or anything. What I'm talking about is a continual drawing from the well on the inside of you. You hear me? Yeah. Paul and Silas, you know, you can read this story in Acts chapter 16, but, but Paul and Silas were thrown in jail. I don't know. I'd say that is, is a place that you could lose your joy. You know, I've never been arrested, not that I ever shouldn't have been, but I never was. I was never caught when I did bad things, but, but I've been in jails quite a few times. And I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's a funny sound when the door shuts behind you. 
And, and even when you didn't do anything wrong, you're kind of glad when they come and they open the door and they let you out, you know? And, you know, it's always like, whew, you know, they, they, they didn't mix me up or whatever, you know? But Paul and Silas were in jail, and it says right around midnight, right in the midst of pressure, Paul and Silas lifted up their voices and praised the Lord. And they did, it, they did it out loud because it says the prisoners even heard them. They even heard Paul and Silas. And when they did, it says that a huge earthquake came and it shook all the doors open and the chains came off. And, and it was a massive, you know, I think there were some rock and roll songs made by that, you know, shaking something, I don't know. But anyway, but Paul and Silas, what they really did was in the midst of pressure, they tapped into the resource on the inside of them. They put their eyes on Jesus. Now, in all that I'm saying here, in no way am I telling you that you're never going to have pressure in life. What I'm telling you today is you're free from pressure. You see the difference, though? You see this, that I'm just not going to be ruled by all this stuff. I'm ruled by Jesus. My eyes are on Him. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. To partner with this ministry or for any additional information, please visit libertychristiancenter.org.